would take your Bible and turn to Second Timothy chapter three once again. Second Timothy chapter three. And this morning I start in verse fourteen and I'll read through the end of the chapter. <clears throat> But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing whom thou hast learned them. From a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished, Unto all good works. The title of the message this morning, Thoroughly Furnished to Continue. Taken there from verse 14. Continue. But continue thou. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this privilege and opportunity we have to be assembled together. Thank you for your word and thank you, Father, that we can open it and study it, show ourselves approved. Unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, help us to rightly abide thy truth. Lord, we just thank you for your many blessings, and thank you even for the songs that we sing, that we lift our voices in praise and worship to thee. And we thank you, Father, as we even heard, even in the Sunday school this morning, that you are looking, seeking, as John tells us, seeking those to worship him, such to worship him. In spirit and truth. So pray, Father, help us to worship you this morning in spirit and truth. Help us to be open and receptive. And may the Lord Jesus Christ be exalted and lifted up in our midst. Save any that may be lost, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I think you'd agree with me after last Sunday's message that we're kind of living in what Paul calls perilous times. Uh, as, you know, in context here with chapter 3, uh, which, this is just a continuation of verses 14 to the end of the chapter. But, but he talks about perilous times, fierce, dangerous, deceptive times. Um, and these that are described here, as we looked at last week, are not lost people. He's talking about, well, they are lost people, but they are not irreligious, if that's a word. It's not that they're not religious. These are religious people who have a form of godliness. They would call themselves Christians. But they're living, they're lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. They're living for the things of this world. They're covetous and boasters and, 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 and uh, proud. And, and these times, and so it, 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 it makes it, as the word perilous, as I described last week, hard to take sometimes. Hard to bear. And the unfortunate thing is, the bad news I have for you, first of all, here this morning is, that it's not going to get better. In fact, verse 13 says, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. Now, that phrase, shall wax worse and worse, means to lengthen out by hammering. 
increase. Now think about it. Think about this. Lengthen out by hammering. Um, there's another place that's used. And Deuter- uh, Daniel 7.25 says this. And he shall, speaking about the Antichrist, he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints. That word wear out has means harass constantly. Now think about it. Think about the things that are going on in our, in our nation. You know, and, and we can get... We can get things defeated, like, these, like this transgender issue and these, these sodomite issues that are facing our country. You can, you can, we, we, we pass laws in our states that say that a marriage is between a man and a woman. That's what the state recognized as marriage. And guess what? It, we, we, were, we are harassed and we're harassed and harassed until somewhere along the way somebody overturns that. There's a constantly... Constant hammering against what is right. That's the day we're living in. And Daniel says that you know that's what the Antichrist is going to do. He's going to wear out. He's going to harass constantly the saints. He's going to wear them out. And you got to think change times and laws, customs, laws. Aren't we seeing laws being changed? I mean, laws that have been held for thousands of years. Uh, you know, as we just to review a little bit, you know, a little, view a little bit. We 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 ended last week with uh, convincing proofs of the life of God, and of course, Paul mentioned this: sound doctrine, verse ten through twelve. Sound doctrine, uh, life that bears witness to the truth. Paul said, my manner of life, my course of life, his purpose, his faith, his long-suffering, his charity, his willingness to suffer. That's a, that's a great earmark of true Christianity. They will suffer for the cause. Um, and, of course, will be hated by the world. But as he continues on here, you know, in the context, talking to Timothy, and, you know, again, speaking to us, the Lord here instructs us, even in these perilous times, how to continue. How to carry on. The word continue means to abide, to remain, to endure. And it gives us, if you will, a program for instruction on how to continue in true religion. True religion. In verses 14 through 15. First of all, as I think about this program, I'm going to mention three, I'm going to have three things. Uh, first of all, the people of this program. Notice in verse 14 again it says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. So he reminds Timothy, look, you're, you're to continue thou in the things you've heard, you've learned, and hast been assured of, the things that you've been persuaded of and taught. You need to continue them, knowing of whom thou hast heard them. Now, as we think about those who had, of whom Timothy in particular had heard, and learn from, of course, the first one would be Paul, the pastor missionary. Uh, and Paul, it, 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 the Bible in, seems to indicate, and pretty strongly, that Paul was the man that led Timothy to the Lord. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior, and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, Unto, my, unto Timothy, mine own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. So he says, 
mine own son in the faith. And then again in 2 Timothy, in chapter 1, he addresses it in the same way, where he says, Paul, uh, uh, apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And then again in verse 6, uh, he says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee, by the putting on of my hands. So, so uh, you know, Paul here, uh, again, in chapter 2, again, in verses 1 and 2, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the graces in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. So, so Paul had instructed Timothy. He he had he had you know from what we read here he had led him to the Lord and he had instructed him uh, in the things concerning his faith and Christ and his walk with the Lord. You know this whole book it has to do with Paul's instruction to Timothy as a pastor. Uh, he teaches him sound doctrine in, in chapter uh, in First Timothy chapter three. Um, through 7, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy 1, 3 through 7. I can't read my own typing here this morning. 1 Timothy 1, 3 to 7. He says, And I besought thee to buy still at Ephesus, when I went unto Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. And it goes into, the, you know, this whole thing is about sound doctrine. And, and, and if you drop over to chapter uh, 3 and verses 15 to 16, he says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So he's instructing him in sound doctrine and how the, how the church ought to conduct itself. He, he talks about prayer in chapter 2 uh, of 1 Timothy. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercession, giving of thanks be made for all men. And so he talks to him about prayer. He talks about dress in verses 9 and 10 and 11. Uh, he talks about authority and the order of the, of the sexes and in the 12 through 6, 15. Uh, so he, he's teaching me all, he's teaching about pastors and deacons and order in the church. Sound doctrine. He's instructed Timothy. And so he tells them, hey, you, 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 you remember of whom thou hast learned them. But not only was Paul very influential in the making of Timothy, but so was his grandmother, and his mother. Now, I'm going to call this, you know, we have Paul and we also have parents. But in Timothy's case, it seems like it was his grandmother and his mother. Now, we, we don't know anything about his grandfather. We do know his father was a Greek. That's all the Bible says about him. Most commentators think probably he was an unsaved man. But he had a grandmother that Paul reminded him about. Uh, in, if you notice in verse 15, it says, And that from a child. You know, Paul didn't know him when he was a child. Especially not at this age. As we're going to see a little later what this word child means. But, but for now, he said, When thou wast a child. Look at 2 Timothy 1, verse 5. He says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that they need thee also. So 
Paul instructed Timothy, reminded him that you need to remember of whom you've been taught. You know, I've taught you, but so did your grandmother, and so did your mother. You know, the most important people that we need to pay attention to are those God has given to be over us. That's our parents, pastor, and 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 you know in the ministry, as we're going to see the ministry of the church, a Bible believing church. Uh, those that God has given to, but particularly if we're talking about parents, the Bible says in Ephesians six one, children obey your parents in the Lord. That means parents need to be instructing their children. Proverbs 1.8 says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. You know, this is to be taught by word and example. You know, Paul, Paul, Paul taught by, not only by word, he wrote Timothy, and I'm sure that when he was with Timothy, he talked to him constantly about the things of the Lord and how to conduct himself. But not only that, he taught him by his manner of life. You notice in verse 10 he says, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life. My manner of life. And he also made reference to the fact of Lois and Eunice's life. He says, And I recall the unfeigned faith that was first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice. That word unfeigned means that it was real. It was not a sham. It was not a put on. It was not just a show. It was real in their life. You know, we need to we need to give heed. You know, I, and, I, and and I thought this. We ought to filter. You know, if we have godly parents, and and you know, and I realize some some do not. But if we have godly parents, well. If, and, and, a, and, a, and a church that preaches the truth and Sunday school teachers that teach the truth, we need to filter everything from the world through them and through the ministry of the church. But not only Paul, parents, but you know, as we think about ourselves today, the ministry of the body. What Ephesians chapter 4? Ephesians chapter 4. You know, a church isn't just a pastor. It's a body. And the body ministers to itself, Ephesians 4 tells us. Ephesians 4 verse 11 says, And he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ right here. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God under a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby the lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, According to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. Now that word compacted there means to unite 
in the same conclusion or come to the same opinion. And he says that every joint, every part, every member of the body in the, to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase. So every part maketh increase. Of the body under the edifying of itself in love. Now, you know, one of my jobs as a pastor is to feed the sheep, to edify you. But you know what? When I get out in Sunday school class, I get edified. I get edified. I get edified by by other things people do. You see. The body is to edify itself. Every part is to make an increase of the body unto the edifieth itself. Every one of us has someone who is edifying us, and we are edifying someone else. You could point to someone and say, you edify me, and they may be pointing at you. You may not even know it. Or they may not even know it. Now, is assembling together important or is it not? See, the ministry of the body is to edify one another. One another. Each part. Yeah, there's no... You know, we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I don't want to for sake of time this morning, but... Uh, you know, he talks about different body parts and comparing them to different parts or workings in the church. And there are parts of the body where that appear important, but really are not. And there are parts of the body that you never see that are vital. Hair. Is your hair important? Well, you want to make a good impression. That's about as important as it gets. What about your lungs? Did you ever get up this morning? You get up this morning and think about your heart? Probably not. Well, see, it's all important whether you see it or not. And so, each part is to maketh increase under the body, under the edifying of itself and love. So, so we talk about the people of the program. There was there was Paul the pastor, missionary. There's parents. There's the ministry of the body. The ministry of the body. Secondly, uh, the process of the program. Process. Go back to First uh, Timothy chapter three. And the word process means a systematic series of actions directed to some end. If you notice in verse fifteen, it says, "And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which they will make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus." Now, this process should begin. Before birth. You say, oh, wait a minute, preacher. You're going a little far, aren't you? The word child here is the Greek word brephos. It means babe, child, infant, 
it can mean unborn. It's used eight times in the Bible. First uh, Peter two two as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the world that you may grow thereby. So if you're if you're going to put that in literal terms of a babe, you're talking about a baby, newborn or you know maybe year old. Acts seven nineteen where it talks about they were they, they the the Egyptians made them cast out their young. So right after they were born, they were to be murdered. So that's a birth. Luke eighteen fifteen. The, 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 the people were bringing infants, the word there is infants, to, for Jesus to bless them, and, and the disciples rebuked him. Uh, go, to, go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. These are the ones I really want you to see this morning. Luke chapter 2. Verse 12. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So there, just just a newborn. Uh, again, in verse 16 is the other place. And again, it refers to him, a babe lying in a manger. And then look at chapter 1, verse 41. Chapter 1, verse 41. It came to pass, so when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Verse 44, again, for lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. So, so when Mary comes to visit Elizabeth, remember John the Baptist is six months older than Jesus is. Mary comes to visit Elizabeth, and as soon as Elizabeth hears Mary's voice, John the Baptist leaps in her womb. You know, I love it when science starts to catch up with God, what, what God already knows. I read a similar article to this about 20 years ago. But anyway, this has come the Baby Center editorial team. And talking about uh, when can babies hear, unborn babies. It says, your baby will start to hear between 23 and 27 weeks. Constant beat of your heart is the clearest sound for him. But he'll also be able to hear some things going on around you. Um... And I'm not going to read all this, but again, but studies of newborn behavior show that babies get used to the music and the voices they've heard in the womb. When your baby is born, if he hears sounds he's heard before birth, he may respond by appearing more alert or active. Your newborn may also pay more attention to your voice than any other. As your unborn baby can't see or touch the outside world, hearing is the one sense that helps him to prepare for life after birth. Knowing your voice before he's born helps him from that strong, helps him form that strong bond with you afterwards. Um, in fact, some people think that's the reason babies learn to hear in the womb is so that they can bond with their mothers more easily once they're born. It's also likely your baby's ability to hear helps them start to understand speech rhythms. This is the first step on a long road to learning how language works. So don't talk baby talk to your baby. You know, this is the best Head Start program in the world. <laughs> Babies here before they're born. 
I talked to some of mine before they were born. He said, you're a little weird. Thank you. Let me, let me, you know, it, think about this. This is the first step to long road to learning how language works, what they hear in the womb. Is that why people talk the way they do today? Because of stuff they listen to before they're born? Rock and roll? Rap? I don't know all I know about this, but it sure makes me wonder. But the opposite is also true. And Paul said to Timothy, from a child, Maybe even before he was born. Do you want your babies filled, minds filled with the things of God or the things of the world? And this, of course, is to continue throughout life. Notice again verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child, so from the very beginning, even till now, Paul is continuing to instruct him. He said, you're to continue to learn these things and, 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 and grow these things throughout life. Second Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know, Proverbs, the Proverbs has a lot of instruction about you know, child training and so on, and teaching our children um, the truths of the Word of God. But Proverbs 1, 1 to 4, says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtly to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. You know, everyone is born simple. Ignorant. And we're to give subtly or instruction or wisdom to the simple and to the young man knowledge and discretion. We're Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. These are timeless, unchanging truths that God gives to us in his word. Deuteronomy 6, verse uh, 4 to 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. So he said, you're to talk at them uh, when you get up in the morning, when you go to, before you go to bed at night. You're talking at them at meals, uh, family devotions. Uh, when, you, when you're traveling, there will be like signs on your hand or warnings that give you direction. There will be like frontlets between... Notice he says, not, not to be frontlets, there will be as frontlets. You know, a frontlet refers to something like what the priests wore, which was a, they called it a phylactery, which was a, which is a, uh, a, a plaque thing that had 12 stones, each representing 
one of the tribes of Israel on it, and also had it in pockets where they put scripture portions. So it was a part of the priest's apparel which defined who he was. You see, the Word of God, we should make it such a part of us that it defines who we are. Who we are. A lady came to our church, one of our church years ago, and she said, yeah, somebody just said to me that you go to that church, they're a bunch of Bible thumpers. Well, if if you think that's offensive, it's not. I mean, they meant it to be offensive. No, you see, the Word of God should define who we are. Who we are. So it's to continue throughout life. And of course, the course is the Scriptures. Verse 15 and 16. And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which they will make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. So the course is the Scriptures. They taught him the Scriptures. The, the Scriptures are the source. They're the fountainhead of all enlightenment. You wonder why people are so ignorant and so foolish and so D-U-M dumb today? It's because they've rejected the truth. They can't even see straight. They have no discernment. They can lie through their teeth and think they're telling you the truth. Most people that are in politics are reprobates. They have somewhere along the line rejected truth. The Clintons are Southern Baptists that have rejected the truth. Al Gore, Jimmy Carter, and we go on and on and on. Southern Baptists. But they've rejected the truth. You see, the, the, the scriptures are the source. They are the fountainhead of all enlightenment. Look, look, go to Psalms 119. Psalm 119. You know, t- you know, light obeyed increases light, but light disobeyed increases darkness. That's a principle that's, that's, that's we can see throughout scripture. But Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Verse 130. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Notice verse 97. Oh, how I love thy, oh, how love I thy law it is my meditation all the day. Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. 
do you want your children, or do you, and you want your children to understand the meaning and purpose of life? Where do we learn where life came from? Where do we learn where this life ends? Is it not in the scriptures? Where do we learn what the purpose of life is? Do you think possibly then it might say something about everything in between those two points? It does. We have all things that pertain, Peter tells us, we have all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtues. So everything in life, every issue that we face in life, every question we have about life is answered in this book. Now a lot of people will tell you that's not true. It's because they don't want the answer that God gives. So, the course is the Scriptures, and we need to understand that the Scriptures, of course, are, or it is, the inspired Word of God. It's not man's Word. It's God's Word. That word inspired means God breathed. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It means God breathed it out. Uh, Peter tells us that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So they are the inspired. They're the words of God. Uh, the scriptures can give understanding to eternal life. First uh, Peter chapter 1. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Uh, it teaches us doctrine. Notice he says here, it's profitable for doctrine. Doctrine, the word doctrine simply means teaching or precepts. A, com- a commandment, a rule of action or conduct. That's what a precept is. And so it teaches us what is right teaching. Uh, in Colossians 2.3, there's an interesting statement. Speaking about God, it says, In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, you'll hear people say often say, well, I want to learn from the best. Who's the best? God is. In him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In other words, you can be the most intelligent person in the world, but if you reject the truth of the word of God, you're a fool. The fool has said in his heart, no God. I mean, what is there? What's, what's to intelligence if you to live and die and go to hell? Is that wisdom? So it teaches us what is right. Uh, um, reproof. The word reproof here means a proof or that by which a thing is proved or tested. It's only used 
This word is only used one other time in the New Testament. It's Hebrews 11.1, 1, where it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence, the proof of things not seen. So we are to teach, so when we say here reproof, we're to teach our children to prove or to test things by God's word. We ought to test everything in life by the word of God. Look, for example, Ephesians 5, 8 through 10 says, For you were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. So we're to prove or we're to test it by the Word of God. First um, John 4, 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. So, so reproof. Uh, it's profitable for reproof. It's profitable for correction. The word correction means restoration to a right state, improvement of life and character. You know what? As parents... We always need to be working to improve the character of our children. But we need to go a step further than that. We need to be working to improve our own. Our own character. Our own life. You know, we're going to have trouble improving theirs if we don't prove our own. In Philippians 1, 9 and 10. Philippians 1, 9 and 10. It says, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere without offense to the day of Christ. So he says, you know, your love's to abound yet more and more uh, for me in, 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 in knowledge and all judgment so that you can approve things that are excellent. So we're to strive to improve our character and the character of our children. Uh, you know, is that not why we don't send them to public school? Look at Second Peter chapter one, verse three to eight. Second Peter chapter one, verse three to eight. Second Peter 1, 3 says, According as this divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. He's called us to glory and virtue. You know, we all live a, a glorious and a virtuous life. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, and now God becomes a mathematician. Add. God wants you to add. Add to your faith. Virtue. Virtue knowledge. To knowledge temperance. To temperance patience. To patience godliness. To godliness brotherly kindness. To brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So so correction. We're We're to be constantly working to correct our life. Striving for excellence. Both in public and in private. 
You know, have, you know, we, you even, manners even come in here. Excellence. Of course, the home is a great place to teach that. They'll, they'll act in public what they learn at home. Uh, so correction. But, and then number six, instruction in righteousness. This, this word is used six times. Four times it's translated chastening. Strong's describes it this way. The whole training and education of children, which relates to the cultivation of mind and morals, and employs for this purpose now commands and, and admonitions, now reproof and punishment. It also includes the training and care of the body, chastening and chastisement. So instruction righteousness. How do you instruct? Let me ask you this. How does cute little Johnny, at two years old, understand not to touch something that's hot? Oh. Dr. Spock says, you get down to my little Johnny and you explain to him. That the stove is hot, Bradley. And it'll hurt. Therefore, you don't touch it. Does little Johnny understand that? No. No. He don't know that hot equals hurt. Yet. Do you know one thing he does understand? That a switching equals hurt. And the switching will teach him not to touch that which is hot. That's what instruction in righteousness is. Little Johnny, when he's eight months, doesn't understand when you tell him to lay still when you're changing his filter that he needs to lay still. But I tell you what, a switching on the leg, instruction in righteousness, will teach little Johnny to lay still. I know, James Dobson says you shouldn't spank your child until the year and a half. His brain's on vacation, okay? Because the Bible says chasing him betimes, and that means early. And if you wait till the year and a half, you're going to have what the world calls the terrible deuce. This is instruction in righteousness. Proverbs, go to Proverbs. Proverbs 22. There's some, you know, by, by our world standard, there's some very harsh descriptions of instruction in righteousness in the Bible. But they're there. Uh, Proverbs 22.15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of the child. You know, it, it's all bound up in there. They're just full of it. That's the idea. They're full of it. They're born that way. They're, bo- they're, they're born full of foolishness. But the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Chapter 20. Verse 30. This one hurts. The blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil. So do stripes the inward parts of the belly. Twenty-three, verse twelve. 
12 to 14. You know, let me let me just say, you know, you don't want to you don't want to intentionally put marks on your child. But sometimes some of them easily mark. When you spank and and by the way, just because they may have a mark on the and on that very padded part of their body we call the western hemisphere does not mean does not mean they are hurt or scarred for life the worst child abuse as far as i'm concerned you can give your child is just let them do whatever they want because they'll grow up and be those mobsters that are out there right against the police that's what they'll be anyway um but Sometimes, you know, you may put a mark on them. You know, just say, be careful. Anyway, Proverbs 23, 12. Apply thine heart unto instruction and thine ears to the words of knowledge. Withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beatest him with the rod, that he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. You see, we're to give him instruction, righteousness, and that has to do with chastening. There's only, there's only one way, really, a little child, you know, Newly born, or, or up until they begin to understand and comprehend things, really understands. And that's to have their Western Hemisphere set on fire. Just for a little while. <laughs> but, you know, the, you see from Proverbs 23 the seriousness of this matter. It's not a laughing matter. It's a matter of life and death. And when we talk about life and death, it's eternal life and eternal death. So the course is the scriptures. Then notice, so that's the, that's the, uh, uh, the people, the process, and then the product, verse 17. Verse 17 says, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. A perfect man, a perfect person. The word perfect means complete. It's, it's, a, it gives a, it's a reference to special aptitude for given uses. And in the context here, of course, Paul is talking to, to Timothy as a pastor, and he's saying that these things will, will train you or help you to, have, to be able to, to fulfill the thing that God has given for you to do. The same is true for us. The word truly furnished, again, means to finish out or to equip fully. So God, really, in a sense, God's saying it twice. He's reiterating the fact that, that we are complete or fully equipped. So, in the context, again, Paul's instructing Timothy how to pastor, how to, how to be fully equipped to pastor in perilous times. But he's also saying to us that he can equip you. God can equip us to faithfully serve him in the days we are living in, even though they're perilous. Even though many are falling away. Many today are led astray by these false prophets described in this chapter. And I'm going to tell you something. What happens many times I see with people is they get out of a church. 
And guess who they start following? John Hagee or Joel Steen or one of these false prophets who are now joint or, or you know or are now ligging up with Catholics, taking mass. And they're wowed. They always look so wonderful with the bright lights and their makeup and all that junk. I'm sorry. I, I, I just, I, I don't think I can ever get into the makeup thing. Uh, but, but they get out of church. It's not that they're not intelligent people. So what keeps you from being led astray? Is it your intelligence? No. It's our faith and obedience to God and His Word. And by continuing in His program that He's given for us. The Scriptures, assembling together, edifying one another, receiving instruction, instructing our young people in the scriptures. You see, yes, we are living in perilous times. But God is able to equip us just like he furnished a table for the children of Israel in the wilderness. He can furnish us to continue to be faithful even in these days which we're living. But the first thing you have to do is become wise unto salvation. The problem is most of these people don't know the Lord. And if you don't know the Lord, I don't care how much training you've had, what kind of church you've grown up in, who your parents were, if you don't know the Lord, you will go astray. Do you know him? Are you continuing in his work?